Welcome to The Realtor Lady. I'm Michelle Riplogle. And my guest today is Greg Mann. Greg Mann is my broker and chief of Coldwell Banker Realty. I'm a big fan of your work. Read all your books. Your latest one, Man About the House. Awesome. Changed my life. Cannot tell you. Big fan. But I've invited you here for a prediction about 2021, possibly 2022 and the inventory issues we have. I'm gonna stay yeah. with crisis word at this point. I'm just gonna say issues. And then hopefully at the end, we'll get a little entertainment from a good story. Oh, and then I forgot, we're gonna talk a little bit about the uh, Saturday Night Live video clip I sent you about Zillow. Ah, yes. That is funny and so cringeworthy. It's awful. <laughs> Agreed. I'll just have you take it away. I thought maybe you would start with what the cause, how do we get here at low inventory? Where are we going? Will it ever stop? I'll probably interject with a horrible story of something that happened to me this morning. Yay. (laughs) You're in the trenches more so than I am. And so the truth is you should be the one I, I should interview you, right? And so one thing's fun is that, you know, when you have, you know, you have an agent, you have a manager and, you know, I don't sell, right? So one of the things that comes with that is that, you know, I can hopefully see the forest and here's Michelle in the trees, right? And so, you know, theoretically, there's a little bit of a nice help me help you, you help me and I'll help you. And so that uh, we can sync up all the time and really kind of try to make our assessment of what's going on and where to go with it and all that all the time from the two different perspectives. And yeah, I I think I'd just jump in to say that, yeah, I I appreciate the optimism that we're not in an inventory crisis. I'm an optimistic person and and my chest tightened up a little bit (laughs) when we started talking about the inventory. We've looked at the numbers. The numbers are ridiculous. And, And, you know, for example, days on market, median 10 days. 10 days, right, is the median. So half is shorter than that. I mean, you know, for Santa Cruz County, single family residences, and that's too fast, right? So, you know, when you're a seller, if you want to sell fast, you get the highest price, no questions asked as is. Theoretically, it's nifty that it's all working that way for you, if, and that's what you want. You know, even the profile of that seller, though, that isn't maybe necessarily obvious at face and can be an issue is, you know, when things move too fast in such a complex transaction is easy as things might feel when they just, oh, no contingencies, everything's over, it's done, yeah, okay, good. You know, okay, well, what didn't happen that would have happened that's gonna happen after the close? You know, I'm fortunate enough to be supported by really nice set of attorneys in, in Northern California here that work in the Coldwell Banker capacity, you know, at the company. And as a result, they have a long history of going through various markets and seeing the before, during, and after when it comes to these kind of market conditions, you know, and I've been trained by some really smarter people than I am. You know, things come up when I think about the market that we're in are things like the market conditions advisory. Yeah. Underrated. 
that forum says stuff. Some people read it. I hope they all do. And uh, some of the stuff it might talk about is competition, multiple offers, no contingencies. Our value is going to keep going up, go down, stay the same. And it's basically like. That was key, though. I mean, I think I really thought and really liked it with short sales and, and foreclosures because people thought it was going to go down further. They never thought the values were going to come back in that form in its one page at one time. Totally. And, you know, we keep putting more pages on them and the fear being, oh, gosh, more to read, less likely they'll read it. You know my spiel. <laughs> I know. And I agree. It's hard. How do you sum up something that you can't sum up? It's complicated. So there you have it, right? So we're in a market where things are going up, up, up. And money is, they're giving it away. You want some money? I mean, it's a little hard to qualify. But if you do, hey, it's practically free. Just take the money. And, you know, that's nice, especially when we have this rocky economy with, you know, the pause, unpause, essential, non-essential elements to it. And a lot of people that are going through some real hardship, it's nice to think that maybe there's that liquidity and, and it's inexpensive and, and things are available. You know, and people want to shelter in place, feel safe, hunker down. And it's like, okay, well, what better way to do that than to buy a home and move into it? And there it is. It's daunting, even with all the uh, sort of tenant relief acts and such. It would be daunting to me to be a tenant. You know, I'm fortunate, I'm blessed, and, and I'm, I'm a homeowner. And, you know, it's been a dream and all that. But yeah, I think that the thought there is pretty much a majority of the consumers out there that have ever been on the fence to buy a home. I mean, I, I think in our realm, we're seeing they want to buy a home. Like, I want to buy a home right now, right? Uh, it's, you know, it's never been more affordable per the cost of the money, but it's never been more competitive too. So it's so what, a ride. What's driving this? Now, I actually meant to say this at the office meeting and the broker tour meeting is that I had a property manager share with me that the tenants aren't moving. She has 125 units and they're not moving. So yeah. you can imagine at least a quarter of those would sell, right? Because the seller gets to the end or the owner gets to the end of the tenancy and goes, okay, this is my year. But the tenants asked for more time. I didn't lose the listing. I got a listing delayed because the tenant wants to stay another year. Here's the kicker. The tenant's not living there. They're living in Colorado. And they're going to pay another year's rent just to keep this place. Oh, this is good substance. So I, I did learn in the last couple of weeks what's driving some of the low inventory. There you go. But I don't understand the rest of it or how we even got here because it's just been this slow this slide down. <laughs> I don't know why. I know you're not a NAR economist, but. <laughs> yeah. Speaking okay. of which, there's one of those coming up. The grand chief of all, uh, Lawrence Young, is coming up uh, soon in our uh, local Santa Cruz Association of Realtors. But that's for another day. Yeah, no, I don't have a crystal ball that looks forwards or backwards or makes sense out of nonsense. But certainly, the inventory wasn't necessarily fluffed up in the last few years already. Number of sales in 2018 was about 1,800. Number of sales 2019, 1,650. Number of sales 2020, 1,780. Well, you look over the years and you know, we, a lot of times we easily break the 2000 mark for number of sales. And this is for single family residences, Santa Cruz County. You got to draw the line somewhere, right? For statistic analysts, but you know, that's not that many sales, right? So we've had a little bit of a pinch going for a little while. I mean, it, every bit of 
know, 2015 was the last year in recent years that we broke 2,000 sales in a year. And so it's not necessarily a new thing that we have a pinch. You know, I think, you know, the word's been out for a while that, hey, living on the coast where there's less density, more fresh air, seemingly lots of clean water, topography, nature, you know, it's sought after. And to, you know, right over the hill, you have Silicon Valley, you've got all that job opportunity, the opportunity to make pretty good money at that job. And so, you know, it's been fueled, it's been going on. Santa Cruz is healthy. There's a healthier lifestyle here. I think that's driven some of it too. There's a perceived lifestyle. Plenty of people eat McDonald's here and don't exercise, but I think there's that perception. There's certainly a lot of attention to health here, but I think- And you know, you think about it, well, it makes sense. Well, do you like to kayak? Do you like to mountain bike? Are you a skater? Are you a surfer? I mean, it's here. I mean, we have a significant amount of state and national land. We have the ocean. And we have topography, which presents fun for, you know, all the you know, mountain biking, et cetera, right? So there are accommodations that are natural for that type of lifestyle, that active lifestyle, that outdoor lifestyle. And, you know, there are actually really some pretty kind people around here, I'd venture to say. And uh, one example I could throw out there is like you think about when you are in your business, you're doing everyday real estate profession here. And how different a veteran like you, you know how it feels doing that over the hill in Silicon Valley. And how different that is. There is a lot of pressure in either place, but here, maybe not so much. And I don't want to say that it's less of a kind person-filled environment per se, but with that pressure comes some amount of consequence with regards to dealings and business and such and competitive stuff, right? And I'll tell you something interesting. Now, I can't quote the study, the scientists, the whatever, but I heard from a trusted source recently, I heard kindness actually makes you live longer. Uh-oh. Those are, I'm an optimist, but that was a case study. Real. Is that why old people are cranky? Because they, they don't want to live longer? Perhaps. There comes that point where you become calloused and jaded and you don't have time to deal with it and the niceties and the disclaimers and it's like cut to the chase and, you know, ignore them or dodge them. Sure. It's like, hey, I've had my shine, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever they were, they were all pretty good. And now I'm just like, this is great, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but no, so yeah, you have the, the lifestyle. It's a sought after place. Demand has not ever really let up for this area, right? So then it comes down to supply and supply has always been an issue in part because, hey, guess what? We're not really developing around here much, right? I mean, here's a lot or five maybe or something that, you know, they're always trying to push more along. But every time you hear like, hey, they're going to develop this area, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like five years later and like, did they do it yet? Like, I didn't see anything happen. I mean, sure, around Scotts Valley areas, there's been a bit because there's so much pressure in that corridor to the gateway to Silicon Valley, right? But yeah, what's driving the low supply? It's never been real high in recent years. And so that's all those reasons we just went through, I think, over the recent years, and they're still here. And I mean, here's one for you, and I'll go out on a limb a little bit on this. This is like where you get into the theoretical, and it's like Greg Mann opinion mode. Here we are in a pandemic. It's pretty grim, you know, the news about the variant and mutation and vaccine and how effective is it with the various and you know and how often you have to get the booster and then not and then 
And so there's so much still spinning that, you know, that you can't really get a handle on. Is there an end to it? What does the end look like? There's obviously not like a just stop and it's like, okay, now we're good. Like, let's go. So, okay. A little bit of perspective for the human race moment here. And think about it. One of the hardest things that we have had to deal with in this thing is not hug our mom and see our family for goodness sakes, right? It's driving me nuts. I mean, I cheat a few times because it's like, you know, I can't do it anymore. I'm a family guy. I love my parents. I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my brother and their family, like, right? So that's tough, right? So there's been a little bit of a perspective that's been afforded, like it or not, to humans here. And so if there's an area that you ever wanted to live in, there's no time like the present. Yeah, I talk about that a little bit in some of my videos, though, is I think some sellers would sell that they knew where to go. I'm just not quite sure. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You know, I mean, my money's tied up in my house. Wouldn't it be great? Cash that check. But and then there's the uncertainty. And then, and then it's like, hey, it's so affordable in this place, this place, this place, this place. Wow, look at what we can get and look at how much we can save on the side after we even bought it. Oh, but then we got to move and live there. And so that's, you know, because we have pretty good here. Everything's not, there's nothing broken here other than affordability, but we're in. And, and if we get out, we'll never get back in. So we might as well stay in because just about everyone that I've grown up with that has gotten out has almost had an impossible climb to get back in if they ever got back in at all. You know, it gets away from you. And, you know, part of it's that if you find somewhere more affordable, well, guess what? The jobs don't pay as well. It's all relative. And we don't really crush it around here. Let's just face it. I mean, you know, maybe if you work your tails really off and you're a pro like Michelle, then you kind of get along, you, you know, you make it work, right? But it's hard. I mean, most people have a couple of jobs, whatever it is. And another one where I love throwing out quotes or things that I can't tell you the source. So you never know if you, you can't check me. And one of those is that there was a, uh, there was a huge shockeroo for me a couple of years back it was i think it was money magazine and they did the whole nation and it was an affordability study and it was a state level deal and then it was a county level deal and it was something like in the state of california based on their criteria for what affordability means right cost of living opportunity for income job security blah 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 cost of housing obviously in the state of California, Santa Cruz County was the least affordable, period, in the whole thing. So, okay, well, oh, geez, yeah. Well, we get in the news is for that. Right. Yeah, we finally make the news every once in a while when it's like, yeah, nobody can afford to live here. There's no job. <laughs> but that's, totally. what, that's our claim to fame now. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, which is kind of like, uh, should we be holding on to that in advertising? But then also, but furthermore, furthermore, <laughs> furthermore, in the nation, fifth, Santa Cruz County, fifth, least affordable in the nation. I mean, it's fun to be number one, but maybe not for that. And so there you go, right? And so the demand is there. There is a lot of demand. We don't have many jobs, sorry. We don't have real huge job growth opportunity, except for now. Because guess what? You're allowed to work from home primarily with most employers anywhere and everywhere, especially tech, which is right over the hill. 
which is where most people would think, well, do you want to live in like Capitola by the sea or downtown San Jose? Here's your job. You can have it either way. Which place would you rather live? And hey, I, you know, I love San Jose areas and such, but just throwing it out there, you know, yeah, walk down to the beach, kind of halfway staycation for life or hustle and bustle, et cetera, right? Ride your bike on the side of the road. Don't get hit by the car or ride your bike in Nicene Marks. And look, hey, there's a deer and some old redwoods. That's kind of fun. That also is a few things too. a few sellers who thought they were going to move closer to work where right. was, and they don't need to. So you lost right there too. Kind of the reverse of that statement I just made, right? Like they've already got their ability to, they've got the place here. And then now they've got the job too, right? So, you know, there you go. You know, I, I think also that bottom line, who's really trying to pack up their entire home, put it in a U-Haul or what have you, move around, get help packing or moving it. Meanwhile, shelter in place, but Right. So it's, you know, whether you're a tenant or a homeowner, it's like, oh man. So we got a mask up. How many hand sanitizer bottles do we have? Because every time you touch the thing, you got to do the thing. And so it, you know, it's just an undesirable, I mean, let alone take a vacation. Like, can, will they let us in? Well, you got to quarantine and they got to put the thing on and then you're probably going to get it anyway. But if you don't get it and then you test negative, then you might be able to stay on the resort property only. Well, okay. That's the vacation, right? So moving, I mean, but I see the this, this slide towards lower inventory level still going despite COVID. I mean, there's reasons for it. So now we have a reason. But what do you see the overall reason? Why did we start to slide? Just more people coming in and we, it got more exaggerated because we're not building anything? Here's the problem with that assessment. It's like nationwide. There is an inventory shortage that is not unique to Santa Cruz County. It is across the entire U.S., barring some particular areas, right? It was something that was talked about by President CEO Ryan Gorman, Coldwell Banker guy, who's smart, looks at the data. He's a data nerd and well-spoken. So coming from him, it's like you believe it, and he says it well, and you're like, wow, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's bizarre because, you know, for example, you're also hearing that uh, real estate brokerages and anyone in the real estate industry, you know, Third and fourth quarters of last year were remarkably high, crazy, big movement quarters. There's a lot of pressure on margins and everything. So it's like nobody's getting rich on this thing, but there's a lot of moving money in the housing sector. You don't have enough to sell, but if it's there, it's sold. I mean, within 10 days or less, right? Some people like talking about months of uh, inventory. Months of inventory, generally speaking, means, you know, how much inventory do you have that it would take how long to sell it all off if no more came on kind of a sort of a thing, right? So we tend to float around five or six months, maybe four months of inventory. I think right now we're at one. I mean, the numbers are so skewed on all of this that it's like, okay, oh, maybe next month it'll be, it's like been months of this. So, and yeah, and again, it, it's not unique to Santa Cruz. So, you know, I think I'm biased. I grew up in Santa Cruz, I love Santa Cruz for a lot of good reasons, right? And I think, oh, yeah, because everybody wants to be here. But reality is, it's not just that. It's everywhere. And, you know, that has to be driven by pandemic stuff on some level. It has to be driven by economic uncertainty. People, like, what, half of restaurants have failed already? I mean, right? And so who's feeling confident? Yeah, let's go spend a ton of money 
you know, the money is cheap to borrow, but you know, then you got the cash flow on the monthly basis. And what are your ins? What how much is coming in? Well, we can open up, but oh no, we can't open up. Well, we can be outside, no, take out only. And we can, you know, it's like, oh my God, it's dizzy for me. I mean, and I don't own a restaurant or work at one, right? I've been there and that's tough. That's real work. And you know, being an owner is one of the hardest jobs I've ever heard in my life is owning, running a restaurant. It's like the highest failure rate of some of the industries, right? So It's it's a big sector of our industry. I mean, we have a lot of tourism and people like to eat out, whatever. So that's just one small example of, you know, economic uncertainty, even if you can qualify for the money, should you? And so, hey, how many people qualified for money in 06, 07? But then the question of should you take the money? Should you spend that money, right? The Great Recession, you know, right on that cliff right back then, right? And it's like, here, take the money, take the money. And then it was like, okay, maybe we should make it a little harder to get this money because that didn't go well. (laughs) So maybe there's a little bit more regulation. Yes, you know, Tila Respa, all the baloney, right? TRID, I should say. No no acronyms. Yeah, sorry, my bad. I can go for days on those. For for people. Let me just jump in here. I think also just to add in, I asked you the question, but I, I still think a lot of people have equity in their homes. And while we think, oh, they could cash out and go somewhere else, they're thinking, well, I'm sitting on this egg. I'm happy where I'm at. Why would I move? Before we had the Great Recession or the downturn, where they had no equity, they didn't care. And houses just would pop up. Yep, that's right. The landscape is different. The financial feel, what do I have to lose? Feel, I hear you. That's right. Hey, well, we didn't solve all the inventory problems today. What is your prediction for 21 and 22? What what do you got? It looks like rates are going to stay low. It looks like that everyone's thinking by the end of the year, it's three and a half percent. I mean, wow, great rates. Okay, so it's not going to be the rates that's going to influence much, right? I can't see this inventory problem. We're going to call it a issue. I'm sorry, issue, not a crisis, an issue. I don't see this issue being real resolved real soon. And um, I, I wish I had more, you know, optimistic phrasing or something for that, but I just don't see it. I think that there will be a point in time that this buying environment is exhausting. It's like not even fair in some way, shape, or form. I could explain that, but I won't. It's just not fun. I'll jump in here with my new reality of 2021, which I didn't want it to lead off with it because it's very daunting, but there is a house for sale in Seawright for about a million, 395, 395,000. And I have buyers from LA that were super excited. They're pre-qualified to an amount over that. And they were going to come up and look at it. We did all the homework. We were ready. And I got an email this morning at about 7.30 from the agent nice enough as she was to give me the courtesy that it looked like if they wanted to offer a million nine, they could get the house. So that was less than 24 hours from that leap of one, three, nine, five to one, nine. And she said her, her fellow probably weren't going to take it. And I'm like, they get, my guys are out already. I mean, this is already getting a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, But the reality of it was kind of scary. Yes. That was just tough. And I don't like to be the bearer of bad news. I want to be the hero and I can't overcome it. A lot of stuff in real estate I can fix or I can go around or I can, yeah. I can duct tape it together, but I just 
I think it being out of my control. Oh, so this is my therapy session. Welcome. Ah, uh, yes. Hey, doctor is in. <laughs> it's just, you know, you want to be the hero. You want to tell them how to win. I mean, I had a strategy for them. We were, we were going for it and we were ready and we were just like, sunk. Yeah. And it's bad news. No matter how you phrase it, no matter how well you manage their expectations, no matter how good a job you do as a realtor and perform as a buyer, what can I do? I'll get the money in escrow in one hour. There's no answer. You know, there's no strategy that is going to just be the winning strategy every time. This is how you do it. This is how you win. So, yeah, no, no one is above the experience that you just described your buyer went through. Nobody is able to overcome that very well or, or at all. And that I refer sometimes to this as, you know, it's like buyer exhaustion. And I've lost buyers that have gotten tired. I don't know where they ended up. Yeah. Did they not buy? Did they go to Idaho? I mean, what? I don't know what happened. Yeah. They were just yeah. broken. They just- yeah, they break. The passion is there. They go, they go, they go, and they run out of fuel. They can't take it anymore. Each time it's a punch, and it's a tough thing to take that many. You know, it's Rocky Balboa punches left, right. And so- but Money doesn't fix it, and I think that's the hard part. Right as well money doesn't always fix it that's right which usually you know oh cash is king and just you know whatever and but i don't know okay it's like how many of them are cash now right used to be oh a cash offer came in or two cash offer well how many of them are cash right not very and And i always tell my sellers be wary because they're the first ones out bingo i think that's sound advice the other thing is i sometimes worry whether or not it's actually cash Right. Yeah, I had a buyer do that to me. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was doing. Yeah, it's a little not too common, but it's not necessarily the best good faith approach and isn't recommended. So anyway, just to throw it out that this buyer exhaustion is real. It's settling in for some now. It'll settle in for more soon. There are only so many homes you can get. There are not enough to support all of these buyers, such as the one you just described. There is going to be exhaustion. Where do they go? I don't know. They disappear into wherever they came from or move away or whatever they do. But if enough buyer exhaustion sets in, that is a market conditions mover. I have seen it. We've we've seen it. You and I both, we've seen that happen. And, you know, there was an article. I'm not going to give you any source on this thing here. I read this article. It was in the Apple News app. How about that? That's your clue. Anyway, describe this woman that, you know, worked really hard to get in a position that she could buy a home. She knew she wanted this home, any home in this general area. I got to buy a home. That's like one of the things. And, you know, fight, 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 fight. Pay a ton, pay a ton, pay a ton. Okay. Finally got the home and moved in and thought, man, this is a dog. I mean, I got it. I was so caught up in getting it. Now I got it. And it's like, what did I, what have I done? I mean, I don't have any money left and this needs work, right? Like I wanted to buy it and do like, you know, kind of HGTV, you know, I, I would love to have moved that wall and I'm going to put that counter over here and da, 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 da. Well, guess what? You blew the wad. So now, you know, by the way, it has a leak and another problem and you need a new appliances and a, the HVAC. And it's like, what have I done? Less than six months, put it back on the market, sold it. Came out pretty much whole because, gosh, everything appreciates so fast. Like, okay, change your mind. No problem. We'll probably get your money back. And then it's like, okay, 
the end of this article, this, this woman said, you know, I'm going to be smarter this time. And that was the word. I mean, like, she were, I mean, it's as if she was not smart to get caught up in the chase, start not reading the fine print in the report, start disregarding any gut check instinct, just go with the adrenaline, get the prize. I know I want it. I'm not going to fail. This was like an entrepreneurial achieving professional woman, right? It was like a cool profile. And then meanwhile, all that, and she says, I'm going to buy a house again. I'm going to be smarter this next time. And if that means I got to wait, I'm waiting. I'm out. I'm going to rent. Anyway, so I thought, there you go. That is not a bad cross-section, a story, an experience. They finally even got the prize. They got the thing. And it isn't even what they wanted, really. And at the end of the day, really, if it was, well, it needed the work and they were fine with a little work, but really the remodel was the work they wanted to do, the, the upgrading, the enhancing, not the fix, not the make it actually function. But that's where then any money got left is going there if it's not, you know. And if, by the way, if it didn't need that work, well, then you probably can't even afford to get it anyway. So yeah. it was an interesting perspective thing. I do have people sleep on it, even if it's a hot market and we need to write it now. You got to sleep on it. We got to talk to your gut. Yep. And, yep. you know, I just don't have a high fall through rate because of that. People wake up and sometimes they wake up and they're like mad and no, I'm not getting this. And, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, we're, we're good because you're good. You, you know what's going on. So, you know, if there's an epiphany to be had, give them enough time to have it. Even if it's overnight. Even. I mean, always sleep on it is the phrasing that is used from the wise people that when you're, hey, what, you know, why not just sleep on it? I mean, you're worked up on that day and then finally you get a reset. Hopefully you sleep. So then you actually do wake up and get some REMs and all that whole thing. Eat your breakfast and then boom. Okay. Fresh mind. And so, yeah, you're smart and that's good. That's good advice for the client and always when things get hot and fast and hurry up and I, you're going to miss the deadline. And I mean, one of the best real estate attorneys I ever knew that was not just stuck on the attorney law side, understood the business and really, but also it's always like, that's the money you need to slow things down. Like you give the client the advice to sleep on it. That is the best advice you can give. If this gets away, Hey, I mean, would you cry? Would you be bummed? But at least, you're going in smart, like that woman said, right? Smarter, whatever that means to you. The sleep on it, have the full you, your brain at its max capacity with energy and less distraction and a minute to breathe. Hey, I mean, so one thing I'll throw in there is that I enjoy markets that have equilibrium. And that may be easy for a manager to say, rather than a salesperson in the trench, Working with that seller, with that buyer, I mean, you know, there are favorable markets depending on which side of the table you're on. But I, at the end of the day, I so thoroughly enjoy some amount of equilibrium when it comes to supply and demand, because I think either side of that table, after all said and done, it's a better, it's a cleaner feeling experience and accomplishments are had and see you guys later, you know, hey, I'm moving in. Thank you. You know, anyway. Okay, so before we move on to the video commentary, 
Tell me your story. So here I am, and it's 2003, right? Now, I'm going to be 40 this year. So, oh my gosh. But do the math, you know, I'm a young grunt getting into the business here. And, uh, you know, I don't know how anyone would look at me. You're selling at this point, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm getting in in 2003. Yeah, they would not hire me as manager at that point in time. Um, <laughs> I could barely manage to show up, look right, learn, and act right, right? So there I am, and what behind the ears? At least I've got the best mentor in the business, my dad, right? He's awesome. I love him. We have a lot in common. Okay, I think I can learn quick. Still, I look like I just barely got out of college, right? Just barely. And so all of a sudden, I got a pretty decent lead going on. I think it was an open house. And uh, this guy comes in. His name is Gregory. You know, hey, what do you know? He owns a bank. I'm like, whoa. Right? I mean, I don't even remember the name of the bank. I don't know what's going on with the bank. But it was kind of a big deal for me. And he and I hit it off, you know, and, and, and his wife and Heather was her name. I thought, man, this is going to be a big first real deal client here, right? And uh, they had a nice home, motion view, kind of wanted an upgrade, entertained it. And so here we go. I'm going to show them something on Skyview Drive. Aptos, right? Trout Gulch, Skyview, you go up the mountain, and boom, it's some of the best views, right? It's like Hudson Lane. It's like sort of that kind of perspective. It's big bay view ocean, you know. I think it's like $2 million house, which back in 2003, like meant a little bit something else than today. And I'm kind of dressed up. I want to look older than I am. And uh, we go up I made the appointment. I got it all set. I updated the key before I went out and lost the cell range. Everything's set. You know, house is perfect. I set it all up and left so that we could have our little experience. Feeling a little bit nervous, quite frankly, with the guy that owns the bank going into this $2 million house with this big view. And it's, you know, it's just me. It's like, here we go. You know, I'm like, whatever, 22, you know? So I started in 04, but that was like, I don't know, it was like a hundred million. I don't know. It was, just like it, it was a big deal. I, I, I almost did the math on the commission, but I thought, no, 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 I'm not even going to do it. I, I don't know. It's a lot. I, I don't know. Is this legal? Can you make that much at one time? I mean, so then, so we get up in, in the lockbox, you know, I get the key, got the key. Okay. First hurdle, right? How many things can go wrong? You're late. You run out of gas, the flat tire, the lockbox isn't updated. The lockbox doesn't work. Okay. Here we are. I'm there. We're there. Got the key out of the lockbox, going up to the front door. I'm trying to find that balance of describe the house and area or let them just experience. I'm just way in my head. Put the key in the doorknob, turn, works. Awesome. You know, another one of those things where you can't, you know, the copy that was made at Ace didn't really turn the thing. And I grab the doorknob, twist and pull, and it comes off into my hand. And it was dead locked. The deadbolt was locked. So the handle comes off and I can't get the door open. <laughs> so it's a $2 million house, high profile client. I'm standing there holding this doorknob like, okay, what do you do now? Okay, I really want to show the house. So do you try to find the unlocked window? Because they know we're coming and it's not like breaking and entering, I don't think. Oh, but <laughs> I'm trying to get my hand to fit through the hole that's the size of the doorknob hole that, you know, not quite. It was a nightmare because you're right up to that second that you're there. You got through all the thing. 
you look okay, you're acting all right. I don't think they think you're a young, eh, you don't know what you're doing yet. Everything's smooth. The doorknob fell off. I couldn't get the door open. Done. We had to make another appointment later. We left. It was over. It was, uh, you know, it was like real estate 101. Hey, you're not going to learn that studying for the exam. Good luck. See you later. Go out there. And if you can make it to the home, open the door, you're in. So that's, you know, I, I have so many stories, some appropriate, some less, some scary, some funny. But that one always just left an impression of the life of a realtor and all the little pieces and how much you're in your head and you just have to have things go right and try to be right and act right and have them happy. See you later. You know what I love is standing there at the door and trying to open it and can't get it open. And the buyer walks around the back and goes, hey, the slider's open. It's never failed. <laughs> all of your professional, I am the gatekeeper. It's all gone. You know, you didn't even need me. You know, you could have just gone in, right? I mean, it's so, Hello. you know, I mean, I've done it all. I've dropped the key between the wood deck slat that went down and it was a, on a sloped hill and you got to go crawl down and you're like in your nice leather shoe deal. And it's anyway, but yeah, it is not an easy job being a realtor and it's not just because of those things. Anyway, I commend everyone in real estate. It can be professional stick it out, endure, make it work, have an income and to have clients that are like, they're the best, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not an easy job at all. And that's really the purpose of why we are here today is so we can give some insight on what we do. It's so multifaceted. Like I was saying, I tell people, well, I could have been a locksmith, a <laughs> home inspector, a roof inspector. I've gotten quite good at that, which of course I preface with have to get a roof inspection, but this is what I've seen. All this kind of stuff. I know way too much about septic systems. That's totally. Just ridiculous. And then when people say, well, and then I have to say, well, no, I don't, we have to get the professionals out here. Yeah, we just do so much. But yes, I've dropped the key down the deck. Oh yeah. Yeah. The key that doesn't work, right? They they got the copy made, they didn't test it. You know, the key that wasn't in the lockbox. Who was the last guy? They didn't put it back in the hole. Come on. What is the before the guy didn't put in the thing? It's gone. He put it in his pocket and drove off last yesterday, you know. Right? I, I mean the property of mine. He lived in Fremont. He got in his car. He put the keys from the lockbox in his little uh coffee hole and his and drove home. So I called him and I said, Hey, you have the keys. And he's like, No, I don't. And I go, Are you sure? He goes, Oh. <laughs> He had to turn around. That his whole evening was blown. It's such a bummer. But yeah, getting the the copy and putting it in the lockbox and keeping the original. Yeah, there's a few places in town that I don't go to for that reason. That's right. All right. So, did you watch that Saturday Night Live video on Zillow? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> sexual pleasure no specific questions about it just a sheer elaboration of you know the summary uh reaction here's one for you like i'm i've got my email inbox situation over here on this other screen i'm not looking at it but i just looked at it but i'm not reading it so i actually have an email in my inbox from ryan gorman that says thoughts on zillow i haven't read it yet oh so i should my blog i wrote like a like a three page like huge blog on it i'd love to see so you know here i like you know i got it 
texted to me by another manager. I watched it because, you know, I kind of like Saturday Night Live. It's not always all good, but I do love uh, Daniel Levy and uh, his show with his dad. All that was so good. Such a talented guy. So I was excited to see him on it. Sure enough, there's that skit. He's in it. And it's just name dropping Zillow. Just PR popping, which if you don't know and you're listening, Realtors have a very interesting relationship with Zillow. Maybe that's an understatement. You know, it's a charged topic, typically. I could talk to one realtor and they're feeding a ton of money into Zillow to get the leads or be a premier agent or not or whatever and, you know, harnessing the thing and trying to get the thing and it's cutting their margin, but they're getting some leads. But talk to another realtor, it's like, you're paying the competitor? You're giving your money to the... And it's everything in between. So meanwhile... I got to say, recent history, the pandemic brought out some bizarre, bulky, weird moves from the giant called Zillow. And, you know, it did anything from all of a sudden one day, oh, if you don't check the box that they can have their Zestimate display, which you have to give them permission on websites to give a pretend value that they think might be anywhere in the ballpark, you know, they won't display your listing. If we were complying with the state law to give a link for the public to access, hey, what are the rules with showings and how does this work? How do we stay safe in a pandemic? Oh, by the way, no links allowed in Zillow. They just pulled your remarks off. And it's like, wait a minute, that's the law. I had to put that in there. I mean, there are things like that that go on and everybody in consumer land, you know, generally will notice it's like your seller, like, Hey, it's on Zillow, but the remarks or the old photos are showing the old photos when I bought it are showing. And we're all at the mercy of this third party weirdo that's in the deal. Right. And we're just trying to work with them. Like, Hey, okay. Obviously people are looking, can you not mess our stuff up? Maybe. You've got to love the skit though, because the skit really makes Zillow kind of an innocent party in the fantasies of millennials and then the realtor gets skewed again as this you know shrew or this right. pushy person and then zillow's the winner again zillow's the hero again yeah. and the realtor yeah. is the person that they've been trying to clobber since 2004 and they haven't they haven't stamped us out yet i guess where they're their little yappy dog just Chewing their I mean, I don't really know what they think of us. I know they keep trying to get rid of us and it hasn't worked as a business model for them. And I enjoy watching them squirm. Right. Really have a good, I don't, I, I understand they don't really make money or make that much money, but. Yeah, that's my that, understanding as well. But There's that not a lot of money. To be- of how we're shown. And then, and then the whole thing about Zillow and there, and then the guy calls and he goes, I want to flip that house, you know, and he's, he's, He's calling a realtor and he's got this idea. And then it's like, rah, rah, rah. and it's like, you know how many calls I get a year that's going, I'm just tired of Zillow. I'm tired of those agents. I just, I've looked you up. I've, I've actually researched somebody I want to work with. You know, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook. They can actually see me and hear me. And then when they meet me, they're like, oh, it's a real person. Yeah. And I just think that's gets so unfair. And that's going to be my whole podcast. You know, and I thought I kept waiting for something to happen in that skit that was going to make me feel better about that skit. Yes, and it yes. Didn't ha- I kept thinking something's got to give. Somehow they're going to, this is going to twist and it never did. 
So here's one for you. So it's like, you know, the financial planner, the CPA, you're calling them. You want to find one you trust that gets you, that can work with you. We're talking about money here, people. Big money. Like the biggest money thing in your portfolio, potentially, right? I mean, most people, the home that they own, if they own a home, is the biggest thing in the portfolio, if there is a portfolio, right? So, you know, okay, yeah, Zillow, whatever Zillow says. I don't know, Zillow. Zillow said, call that guy. Okay, Zillow knows, right? I mean, if you actually examine that logic, like, whoa, what happened? Because there are still industries on the sides are completely different where you would never, I mean, if you're talking about, like I said, the CPA, the financial advisor, I mean, these are big money things. Like, is everything on the internet true? Right? I mean, it's been around a long time, right? And we've had high-speed internet for quite a long time, right? So, you know, if you Google it, it says something, maybe. I mean, Google wants it to be true if you ask, like, but I mean, any site, anywhere, what it says or recommends, is it true? Ah, yeah, no, right? I mean, well, what about if it has to do with all of your money? Well, no. So, you know, I, I mean, I had a girlfriend looking for a, a, an attorney, and she went on Google, called the attorney, and found out she was just a straight mediation attorney, wouldn't be able to represent her if she went to court, which is for the amount of money that this person is connected to that was a bad call. She needs to be able to go to court. And right. Said, oh, I could refer you to somebody else. I said, where did you get her? Oh, I got her on Google. I go, no, 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 no. Right. You got a researcher. You got to look for reviews. I mean, I'm all over the place with all these reviews and videos. And, and by the way, okay. Do you go to one place for the reviews that by the way, is trying to have you use the realtor that they want you to use? because that realtor is going to give them the money. Think about that. Examine the logic there. The other thing I'll throw out it is this. Like, so as much as that skit is like, yeah, the, the realtor is the salesy person that blah, 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 you know. Well, it's like, okay, sorry. You know it, how fun it is to look at all these great pictures of all these great homes and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, let's do it. And you call someone and it's like their fault like hey do you have a million dollars nothing personal i'm just are you prepared to take out a loan and have a a debt and to have this monthly i mean do you like cup of noodles i mean it's not personal i just don't want you to buy a home that you could qualify for but might be eating cup of noodles only and paps blue ribbon is your big night out on the town at home and so you know so it's like sorry that it looks so fun and cool and interesting when you're searching it like it's Amazon or whatever, but these are homes. And, you know, we don't want to mess you up. If, if you call, first of all, call a good realtor and figure that out. You know, what's good for you? Okay, figure that out. Then figure, then interview some or something, right? And, yeah. and don't go to Zillow just for their reviews only. That's, well, they know everything because the internet's always true. So it's like, Okay, well, but then a good realtor is going to tell you like, hey, here are all the considerations, you know, and, and then if you don't have a lender, here's a, a purchase money financing lender. It's not just a big bank per se. They specialize in everything. Well, you need like a purchase money financing lender. They're going to talk to you if they're good, which if I refer them, they're good. So I already save you that time. You know, I don't know if I'd click anything 
Don't click anything here. Just, just hold on a minute. You got to me. You're doing all right. Now, here's this slender that's going to tell you, like, now you can, but should you? Right? That's part of it is that sorry if we're like um, a messenger with valuable information to help you make a really well-informed decision. And that we're not just like, yeah, let's go look at those homes you can't afford and get you all worked up. And then it's like, sorry, you can't afford it. It was just fun looking at them, right? <laughs> Real estate is never boring. It's never no. boring. Always something. All right. Well, that was fun. Thank you for being my Thanks. guest. My oh my gosh, I'm honored. Experiment. It went great. I hope to have you on again. I would be honored. I am. It's an honor and a privilege. Michelle is a wonderful real estate professional. I can endorse her through and through. I get notes about how great she is to work with and what work. That? I do. I do from other agents. I also get uh, notes every once in a while here through the grapevine or direct that you know, clients are very happy. I can endorse Michelle, all you listeners out there. If you don't work with Michelle and you're hearing this, hey, I'm not paid to say it, and I'm telling you, at least interview her, and don't click on anything. Just interview her. <laughs> her number is probably somewhere on the screen right now. Call it. Oh, don't no. All right. Well, thank you very much. Hey, thank you for listening. If you want to talk more, find me on livethesantacruzlife.com, on YouTube on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, or give me a call. My number's in the show notes. Love to hear from you.